G'day, Mate 40 here. And if you sinners were looking out the window right now in Beverly Hills, West LA, like you sinners, you unspiritual types, those of you who don't have the gift of prophecy, those of you who are not vessels for God, right? Those of you who don't have the privilege of being on a mission from God, those of you who don't have a license to deliver the divine karma, those of you who are never given the gift, right, of, of the recipe for eternal salvation, all right? You sinners, you may well look out the window and you may well say, well, may they say, I see blue skies. I see palm trees dancing in a very light breeze. I see some gray clouds. The, the air, the air seems to be, you know, decent quality today, right? I see blue skies. Isn't that a, a Louis Armstrong song? I see blue skies. Oh, yeah. So you sinners, right? You, you sinners, you see skies of blue, all right? You sinners see clouds of white. You people with low levels of spiritual development, those of you who are not ascendant spiritual masters, you just look out your window and you think, oh, wow, what a bright, blessed day, right? You look out your window and you see trees of green. You see red roses too. You see them blue, bloom for me and you. And you think to yourself, what a wonderful world, right? The colors of the rainbow, that's what you see so pretty in the sky or also on the faces of people going by. You see friends shaking hands saying, how do you do? They're really saying, I love you. Now, those of you who are on a very low spiritual level, all right, you hear babies cry and you watch them grow and you think they'll learn much more than I'll ever know. And you people on a very low spiritual level, yeah, you think to yourself, what a wonderful world, right? But for those of us who are spiritually developed, right, those of us who are vessels for God, right, those of us who have a divine mission, those of us who have been granted the gift of, of prophecy, right, those of us who are able to see past the, the shadows dancing on the walls, all right, the blue skies, the trees of green, right, the, the red roses, uh, babies crying and laughing, children playing, all right? These are just shadows on the wall. Right? I see what's really happening out there. And you know what's really happening out there, mate? I see dead people. I see dead people. And you are too unspiritual to be able to see all the dead people. I see corpses. I see crematoria. I see gas chambers. I see concentration camps. I see mass genocide. I see turmoil. I see the great conflict between Gog and Magog. I see the forces of Satan doing battle with the forces of God. I see a great struggle between good and evil, right? I see civil war out there, but you're too unspiritual to see it, right? There's, there's practically a crematoria going up here in Beverly Hills, just like Auschwitz, right? 
every day we are getting closer to crematoria setting up in Beverly Hills. Every day, what did they have in the, the Soviet Union? What were their very bad camps where you'd get sent, sent away to Siberia? And, and what did the Ukrainians suffer? Did they suffer some mass, mass starvation? Oh, yeah, I see mass starvation. I see people just getting lined up before ditches and that's what I see, man. Just, just machine guns, just killing people, sending them into ditches, man. Because I am so spiritual, right? I am so far more advanced than you are that I see dead people. But <laughs> you, you who just live this primitive, unenlightened life, you see trees of green and skies of blue, and you hear children laughing and playing, and you think, what a wonderful world. But I see civil war. I see mass genocide. I see concentration camps. I see starvation. I see Kristallnacht and Auschwitz. I see the Holodomor in Ukraine. I see what the Armenians suffered at the hands of the Turks. I see what First Nation people suffered at the hands of Europeans in Australia and the United States and, and Canada. That's what I see because I am deep, right? You are shallow. You see, you're so happy. You're just fine with your trees of green. You're just walking along, singing a happy tune, thinking what a wonderful world. But I'm deeper than you. I am wiser than you. I am more important than you. I am greater than you. I am more righteous than you. I am more profound than you. I am more spiritually attuned than you. I am more godly than you. I am more critical to the well-being of humanity than you because I see dead people. I see civil war. Could it happen here, you ask? Well, I tell you, it's already happening here. And how do I know that? Because we now have government telling business what to do. Did you know that the Biden administration is passing onerous restrictions on car companies? They are mandating the number of miles per gallon that car companies must meet on average for every car sold in the United States. And you know what that means? When government starts telling business what to do, that means fascism. That means fascism. You know what it means when your local county health commissioner says in the middle of an influenza outbreak that you should wear a mask? That means Soviet-style communism. Do you know what it means when in the middle of an epidemic uh, people are encouraged to work from home? That's just like the Cultural Revolution in China. So you may well say, 40, could it happen here? And I say to you, child, it already is. It already is. So Fox News is going to settle with Dominion. Fox News is going to pay $787 million to Dominion. And I say, good. I say, great. They deserved it. They lied and people died. Well, I don't know if people died, but they lied and they lied for ratings. They lied not to get on the bad side of their audience. Hey, after the election, all right, for about a day, I entertained the possibility, possibly even two days, that voter fraud was the significant factor deciding 
the, the rightfully elected Donald Trump versus that fraudulent Joe Biden. Then I read a book, The Myth of Voter Fraud, came out in 2010 by Professor Lorraine Miniti. And I, I realized that, that we don't have a massive problem with voter fraud. And so day in, day out, I said, voter fraud did not decide this election. I said the Democrats were more sophisticated, more successful at rewriting election laws. So all the ways that they changed election laws to reduce the number of uh, mail-in ballots that would get rejected, right? they did it all within the system. They were more effective. They had better lawyers. They were more adept. Right? They were more adapted. They, they were better at fundraising. They got people like uh, Mark Zuckerberg on their side to massively... Uh, deliver money to democratic areas to get out the vote, right? So they were just simply more successful. They worked the game, like the Tennessee Titans. Why did the Tennessee Titans win so many close games in the last two minutes, right? Because they stretched the rules, right? Their players, their defensive players are instructed to lie on top of the opposing team's players, Right, not sodomy, nothing, no funny business going on here, but just to slow the other team down if the other team is trailing, right, to inhibit their ability to do uh, uh, some kind of hurry-up offense. And then when the Titans are on offense, they have all these ways to trick the other team and get them to jump offside at uh, critical moments. So the Tennessee Titans just push the rules, just like the New England Patriots often have, uh, more successfully right, than other teams. They are more successful at pushing the boundaries of the rules, and that's why they win games. The Democrats were more successful at rewriting election laws in 2020 than the Republicans were. And to the victor goes the spoils. They played the game smarter, right? They played the game better. They w played the game more effectively. And as a result, they won. And the dumb team lost, and the smart team won. And I wish... Donald Trump had been reelected. I wish the Republicans won. But I didn't stand here giving the audience what it wants. Now, it's a beautiful thing if you can give someone what they want. It's a beautiful thing to bring joy to people. It's a beautiful thing to bring pleasure to people. Right? It's a beautiful thing if you can deliver a corrective emotional experience. It's a wonderful thing if you can offer people salvation if you can offer them insights, if you can give them hope and joy, help them to release unnecessary muscular tension and muscular constriction and interfering you know, patterns where people are holding themselves down and in and they're contorting and compressing themselves, where they have you know, all sorts of unnecessary and maladaptive reactions to stimuli, and you can suggest to them, hey, why do you even need to react to that stimuli? Why not just pause, notice your habitual reactions ask yourself in this circumstance does this habitual circumstance does this habitual reaction really serve me think it through and then decide whether or not you want to go through with your habitual reaction to life right if you keep doing the same things you've always been doing you'll keep getting what you've always always gotten so if someone can deliver to you a corrective experience like that right that's a wonderful thing but i'm not going to sacrifice my dignity right i would stand up here day after day every single person in the chat frequently would disagree with me. My, my closest friends in this virtual world would, would disagree with me. And I would stand in here day after day, all right, saying what I believe to be true. I was not willing to compromise myself for ratings, right? Unlike uh, Fox News. Her Carlson tonight. In a minute, we're going to bring you the rest of our conversation with Elon Musk. 
We showed you some last night. Tonight, his views on the state of the American economy. That's a topic that many Americans are concerned about, and you can see why. As of tonight, inflation persists. The commercial real estate sector seems to be teetering. The U.S. dollar continues to lose its value. So key economic indicators are, as they say in the market shows, worrisome. But on a more fundamental level, there are also danger signs. When young people are told by their leaders that work is a scam and that stealing things from other people is a human right, how do you think your economy is going to look in 10 years? How about your civilization? The answer depends in part on just how much idleness and theft you put up with. Any society that cannot declare unequivocally and with confidence that stealing is wrong has no future. When you let the mob loot, you are doomed. This is why we used to shoot looters, not because we hated them, it wasn't personal, but in order to defend the foundation of all that we have, which is private property secured by the law. Without that, we would be living in savagery and chaos. In Chicago, they already are. This is what America's second largest city looked like this weekend. There's no point to that. Nobody's benefiting. What you're seeing instead is civilization unraveling, unrestrained violence and destruction effectively unchallenged by government authorities, the mindless breaking of things, the rage of stupid children. If you let that continue, there will be nothing left standing. Most people don't need to be told that. It's so obvious. It's intuitive. Would you let your kids set fire to the living room? Probably not. But the new mayor of Chicago, who is an ideologue and a racist, understands that these stupid children are his militia. When they destroy what others built, he becomes more powerful. Their destruction has a political use. And so he refuses to criticize them. They're stealing because they're hungry, he told us. Like these were the widows of Richmond during the bread riots. Watch his explanation. Is that the answer? To loot because it's a form of reparations? To loot because they, that's how they can eat? The real answer is, how do we make sure, the question is, how do we make sure that people can eat? Look, no one is gonna condone um, you know, behavior that, that quite frankly, speaks to a level of desperation. So you're not, you're not condoning out, looting? I'm saying that people are acting out of desperation. We don't want a society that is acting out of desperation, but you have to pay attention to the cries that people have. By so you're, you're not that, condoning looting? Th th there's no way to, to, to embrace that. What I'm saying is you can't condone the looting that corporations continue to do every single day when they take tax dollars from black, brown, white folks all over the city of Chicago so that they can turn a profit. <laughs> yes, they're trying to eat. Because <laughs> starvation is a pressing problem in Chicago, but it's not. Obesity is a pressing problem in Chicago, 
about a quarter of Chicago high school students are overweight. They join the overwhelming majority of their parents. Obesity is the problem. The shortage isn't of food. And as if to prove the point, the same mob the mayor just defended reportedly tried to break into the Art Institute of Chicago. There was no bread in that museum, only Chagall's and de Kooning's. So these were not people who were trying to feed themselves. These were people who were trying to destroy civilization, destroy a museum, a symbol of our evolution. We shouldn't lie about this. It's very obvious. And if you let it continue, you're done. But Chicago's leaders are lying about it for political reasons. This makes them more powerful. Destroying things that other people built that previous generations created makes this new generation of vandals who add nothing more powerful. That's the whole point. A state senator from Illinois called Robert Peters called the riots, quote, a mass protest against poverty and segregation. Right. Chicago's outgoing mayor, the destroyer Lori Lightfoot, agreed. Watch. The vast majority of the young people came downtown, came downtown because it was great um, weather and an opportunity to enjoy the city. That's absolutely entirely appropriate. Um, there are a few that came with different intentions, and they they have and they will be dealt with. Um, but I'm not going to uh, use your language, which I think is um, wrong, uh, to say that it's Maine. Right. So you can bet that none of these destroyers will be hunted down like animals, like the protesters on January 6th have been for over three years. Their lives won't be destroyed. Their families won't be hounded. They won't be banned from Airbnb. And yet, of course, what they did is far more destructive to our society than anything you saw in Washington in January of 2021. Their behavior is encouraged. So what happens if you encourage this kind of behavior, if you cheer the mob rather than restraining the mob? Well, ugly and totally inevitable things will happen. Productive people will flee, innocents will die, and ultimately you will get from this mob racial attacks. All of that is happening in Chicago right now. All of it. Watch this woman surrounded and beaten this weekend because of her skin color. So that footage was shared widely on social media. We didn't have to hunt it down. It came with the caption. You may have seen it. Yay, we get active. So this was racist mob violence. And we should not be surprised by that. This is what mobs do. The hive mind takes over. The lowest instincts take over. And people who are different get hurt, often killed. This is widely known and has been for a long time. Just last year, in fact, Joe Biden signed the Emmett Till Anti-Lynching Act that made what you just saw specifically a felony. And he signed that to much fanfare. And yet, and this is the key, no one at his Department of Justice is investigating that video or anything that happened in Chicago over the weekend because they support it. Democrats approve of racial violence. They are stoking it everywhere. No, it's not your imagination. They want race, hate, and violence today. Joe Biden released a statement about a young man called Ralph Yarl, a teenager, a black teenager who was shot after showing up to an elderly man's house in Kansas City. We don't know the details of this. There is much we don't know. 
And of course, we feel for anyone who was shot, including this teenager. But the White House didn't pause for a moment before drawing conclusions from this sad encounter and using those conclusions to further divide the country on the basis of race. The president said, and we're quoting, no parents should have to worry that their kid will be shot after ringing the wrong doorbell. Well, that's demonstrably true. But of course, the president is saying this in order to further divide the country along racial lines and to tell a story that is, in fact, not supported by the facts, which is that black teenagers are murdered by elderly white people just for showing up on their doorsteps. Ralph Yarrell, thank heaven, did not die from his injuries. He was just released from the hospital. But these kinds of mistakes do happen, and they're always sad, assuming this was a mistake. Again, we don't know all the details. This same weekend, a 20-year-old woman called Caitlin Gillis was shot and killed after her friend turned into the wrong driveway in upstate New York. A man shot her dead in the passenger seat. But there was no statement from Joe Biden and Kamala Harris about this, of course, because Caitlin Gillis was white, and therefore her death could not be used to further incite racial conflict that benefits the Democratic Party. Now, if you think that we're not giving our leaders enough credit, if you're wondering, could they really be that cynical and destructive? Unfortunately, they not only could be, but they are. And the effects, of course, are destructive always and everywhere. Over the weekend in Compton, California, needless to say, a Democratic Party stronghold, it's not hard to imagine a future in which there are no more gas stations. Because in California, mobs apparently can just walk into a store, including a gas station, and destroy the place, smash the windows, and take what they want. We know that because it happened on Sunday in Compton. Now, this mob was not starving. No, they didn't steal food. They stole beer, condoms, and cigarettes. Oh, it looks third world, you hear people say. But that's not accurate. Very few third world countries would put up with that for a minute. El Salvador is far safer than Los Angeles. In Los Angeles, criminals control the stores and the streets because there aren't enough police to respond. And of course, they know that perfectly well. And that's why the people who looted that store then did burnouts in the street while the store was being looted. Watch this. That's a public street. That's not a parking lot in a rural area. That's Los Angeles. You can't live in a country like that. No normal person can live in a chaotic, dangerous country like that. And so the normal productive people will leave. They absolutely will leave. And not just Los Angeles, not just Chicago, all over the country in the cities controlled by the Democratic Party. In New York, a man with 11 prior arrests just bludgeoned a female police officer with a bottle in the middle of the day. You're seeing the attack on your screen right now. And the sad news is a lot of these attacks, and you see them online if you pay attention, are racial. And that's the last thing you want. You definitely don't want people hurting each other because they're of different races, not in a country like this. 
not in any country, but especially not here. This is not what we were promised, and yet it's what we're getting. As if to underscore that point, the riding this weekend in Chicago began in a place called Millennium Park. If that sounds familiar and you're not from the city, that's because Millennium Park, Grant Park is part of it, is the same place where Barack Obama gave his famous 2008 victory speech in which he promised a better future. Listen. It's been a long time coming, but tonight, because of what we did on this day, in this election, at this defining moment, change has come to America. Change has come to America. Barack Obama was more prophetic than we knew. That was just 15 years ago. But today we're seeing the change that Barack Obama brought to America. This is what it looks like. Heather McDonald is the author of When Race Trumps Merit, How the Pursuit of Equity Sacrifices Excellence, Destroys Beauty, and Threatens Lives. That book is out today. Heather McDonald, congratulations on that book. And bless you for pointing out that it destroys beauty, which some people still care about. Thank heaven. So it does seem like these outbreaks of lawlessness and mob rule are the easiest kinds of crimes to stop. Well, that would depend on being believing in the police authority and the elites have done everything they can possibly do to discredit legitimate police authority by calling it racist. We are seeing civilization break down in front of our eyes. It's a willed and voluntary breakdown and it will continue and worsen until we stand up against the phony charge of racism, whether directed at the police, at medicine or the arts and start defending America's civilizational inheritance. I, I love this idea that what we're, we're seeing is the product of starvation or deprivation or poverty. These mobs are all organized on social media. The participants all have smartphones. That's not my idea of starvation or deprivation. What's, I, you wonder, though, I mean, if you're the opposite, the so-called opposition party, which, of course, most of the time colludes with the Democratic Party. But if you're an ambitious Republican, like running on making the country safe and clean and getting the junkies out of the parks and the marauding teenagers out of 7-Eleven, like, that's not hard. Why does nobody do that? Is everybody so intimidated that no one will just say that obvious truth? Yes, they're absolutely intimidated because the left will say they're playing the race card. It's very odd because the left says there's no racial disparities in crime. And yet if somebody talks about crime, they'll be accused sotto voce of being racist. So the left actually knows something that it's not letting on. The fact is, is that law enforcement is not racist for having a disparate impact on black criminals. It has a disparate impact on black criminals when it's enforced in a colorblind manner because the black crime rate is so high. Who suffers from that black crime rate overwhelmingly? black victims. And yet we're not allowed to talk about those black victims because doing so means talking about black crime. And America turns its eyes away from the pathological inner city culture that gives us these mobs, that gives us these barbaric drive-by shootings, and that will tear down everything unless we stop capitulating to the racial hustle, Tucker. You, know, you see a video like that and, and you really feel like, wow, it's not just coming, it's here. Uh, and we do need to stand up against it if you if you care about you know civilization. Um, Heather McDonald, sure appreciate your coming on. Thank you for writing this book. Uh, I'm going to read Thank it. You. I hope so. Well, Thank the... you. Thanks, uh, thanks Tucker. Thanks Heather. So yeah, it's a good thing to bring people joy. It's a good thing to be in rhythm with people. All right, you move and then I move. I speak and then you speak. There's something going on. It's just not. 
you know, me engaging in angry thrusting and you're just like lying back and like taking what I have to say. I mean, that's, is that partnership? I mean, is that really making love out of nothing at all? All right, when it's just me just filled with anger and thrusting, you know, my ideas and my values like right in your face and just like raping your mind. No, that's not love. That's not, <laughs> I need to practice my machine gun imitations. Yeah, sorry, sorry. But uh, that's not love. That's not love. So I remember I went to interview Kitten Natividad, I think in early 1997. And I was just a naive 27-year-old working on my first book. I mean, innocent lad, three years into my stay in Los Angeles. And, and Kit Natividad was a, an experienced, wise woman. And she had accumulated you know, so much knowledge, so much wisdom, uh, so much love, and, and so much philosophy from her 52 years of life. So I went to interview Kitten. We had a nice dinner. I helped her install AOL on her computer. And when I went to say goodbye, she like gave me a big hug, which was a little bit uh, surprising. And I know you're thinking, oh, 40, I'm going to mock you for, for, for courting a 52-year-old woman when you are 27. Like I am going to mock you for showing tenderness to a 52-year-old woman. I am going to laugh at you being vulnerable with a 52-year-old woman. I am going to, you know, despise you for the consideration and the care that you took with this 52-year-old woman because it's a good thing to love. It's a good thing to bring people pleasure. It's a great thing to get on the same page with people. The more you have in common with someone, right, the better, right? If you agree on the same music, right, that will bring you closer. If you agree on the same movies, right, that will bring you closer. If you agree on the same favorite football team, that will bring you closer. If you agree on the same politics, that will bring you closer. If you're a member of the same religion, they have the same theology, the same religious practice, the more you have in common, all right, the closer you're going to be. On the other hand, all right, when the, when the pundit, when the live streamer, when the podcaster gets out of touch with his audience, so let's say his audience are mainly dissident types and they are convinced that the 2020 election was stolen, but the host does not go along with them, then that relationship has lost its balance and it is in danger. So you start thinking differently than other people, all right? You start speaking differently than other people. You start practicing differently than other people. You are going to create dislocation and distance from those people. So you want to be a successful live streamer, a successful podcaster, successful pundit. You need to be on the same page with your audience. And the more dissonance comes between you and the audience, the more things that you disagree on, the weaker that relationship is going to be until people just turn on you. Now, being in harmony with people, like moving together with, with people, that's a great thing. But there are more important values. So I was willing, even though it was completely unexpected, you know, I was willing to be the old-fashioned 19th century Victorian gentleman with Kitten Natividad. But, but there were still values that were higher for me than being a courtly 19th century Victorian gentleman when it came to Kitten Natividad. So when she asked me to do something that was just not in consonance with my values, I said no. 
I refused, right? I was willing to be the courtly 19th century Victorian gentleman, right? I didn't flee from her embrace, but she's screaming out, you know, stick your fingers up my butt, but I wouldn't do it because that goes against my values. Like I don't insert my fingers in the, the anal cavity, all right? It's like, my God, I, I stand for something. Like, I'm not like Mr. Holiness and, uh, you know, I may not be a walking, talking vessel for God. I may not be the greatest embodiment of ethical monotheism. I may not be the poster child for conversion to Orthodox Judaism, but I am not going to slip a couple of digits into that aperture, all right? I'm not going to do it. I stand for things, man. I, I'm not going to sell out my integrity, even if she's screaming for me to do that. And she was really disappointed. And, but I said no. Right? You might be screaming for me to take the side of voter fraud or to denounce the globalist elites for imposing COVID lockdowns. Or, you know, you may want me to, you know, go against uh, COVID vaccines. But when, when COVID hit, I read a book on the 1918, uh, 1919 Spanish flu. And I said, oh, wow, there, there are instances when you've got a severe influenza epidemic where you want to give public health authorities more room and you do want to take you know, fairly stringent public health measures. I don't know, you know exactly where you should go. Just like I understand that pornography and civilization are at odds. Right. You have to put limits. Otherwise, they used to have like animal sex shows on, on Melrose Boulevard. Right. Without limits, uh, you, you had pornography shops up until 1977 that routinely sold child porn. So when pornographers talk about, oh, we, we never track in child porn, that's only because you can't get away with it anymore. Right. When they could get away with it, they did get away with it. So, yeah, I'm no, I'm no bloody pufter. I mean, just a vow. No, no, no monkey pox for, for me. All right. So th there are things that I, I still stand for. And with Fox News, man. If only they had imbibed the spiritual lessons from when I said no to Kit Natividad screaming for me to insert digits up a particular aperture. Like, Fox News was afraid of losing their audience. Their audience was saying, stick a couple of digits up my aperture and, like, roll it around, stimulate my prostate, and tell me, you know, how wicked and evil Dominion is and how those satanic pedophile Democrats stole the 2020 elections. And the Fox hosts, Tucker Carlson, Sean Hannity, uh, the Fox News hierarchy. Right? Do you think they, they genuinely wanted to insert their digits up that orifice and roll it around and stimulate the prostate with these crazy stories about Dominion and voter fraud? No, they didn't want to do it, but they were even more afraid of losing their audience. So I could have compromised my integrity. Like, I could have sold my soul to, to bring... Kit Natividad, the kind of pleasure that she demanded, but I wasn't going to sell out, right? So it's a beautiful thing to be in harmony with people. Like, the more you have in common with people, the better. So generally speaking, you should say the same things, do the same things as the people you most want to get along with. Now, you can just give them different meanings, right? So if everyone in your office, you know, insists on, you know, woke stuff, you can just mouth the same woke platitudes, but you just interpret them on a spiritual basis. Or if everyone around you insists on 2020 voter fraud, then you should say the same platitudes, but you can just understand the, the 2020 voter fraud as a spiritual voter fraud.
right? So you say the same things, you do the same things as, as everyone else, right? But you don't have to sell out, man. And that way you don't get absolutely humiliated having to, you know, pay off $787 million to Dominion. All right, a lot of great stuff in the chat. So let's get to the chat. Love will prevail. Yes. Yes, the Democrats are the real racists. Man. Stormy Daniels must be stopped. No, no, Rune. Stormy Daniels is the only thing standing between us and another Holocaust. Yeah, that rioting in Chicago is just different people expressing their different gifts. It would be terrible if these rioting youths starved to death. Anything that we need to do to stop that from happening. Yeah, think of the initiative that these youths are exhibiting. I mean, think about this face of good governors. Elliot says, Tucker Carlson's correct. Get out of the city. Move to Whitefish, Montana. Luke Croft says, conservatives are obsessed with racial snuff films. Yep, Democrats are the real racists. Uh, Tucker just bringing the old love and inclusion or hate and division. Love will prevail. Look, I don't care what your skin color is. God made us all equal. Elliot's thinking of opening a 7-Eleven in Compton, not for the money, but for the community. Beautiful. Smash racism. We need first step 2.0, right? Thank God for Donald Trump and first step getting so many criminals out of prison, oppressed criminals of color in particular. Yeah, what Tucker was saying is absolute nonsense. I feel safe in L.A. And if, if you've got to play, they got to play. We just need more midnight basketball. Well, I vote for Trump so I can do another First Step Act. Absolutely. We need more community outreach programs. Maybe Dennis Prager can host some dinners with a difference. Dennis Prager had this program, Dinners with a Difference, where he invited black people and white people inviting each other to their homes for, for dinner to overcome racial division, racial divide. But but uh, the the money people behind Dennis Prager advised him that that would be legally risky. I don't know. I don't think it'd be legally risky. What could possibly go wrong sending a bunch of white people into Compton to have dinner with a nice black family? And what could possibly go wrong having some Compton youths come to Beverly Hills, Westwood, Santa Monica, Century City for a nice dinner with some uptight white folks? What could possibly go wrong? I don't see anything that could, could go wrong. I wish Dennis Prager had the courage to enact dinners with a difference. Think about what a much better country this would be if, if black people and white people were able to sit down and have dinner together. Yeah, if only these rioters learned to immerse themselves in uh, Hayek and Saul and Martin Luther King. Tucker's just so irresponsible with this crap. I mean, the U.S. is just fine, bros. Yeah, they're just breakdancing. It's their culture. It just feels honest. It feels homely. You're a bunch of racist white people have no culture. 40, you need to practice your machine gun imitation. <laughs> yeah, that's what... That's what Hitler told the Einsatzgruppen. You need to need to practice your machine gun work. They just need to practice. Bro, you're just reenacting the graduate. 
How many viewers did 40 lose after he read those books on election fraud? I completely alienated my core audience. Yeah. My average views went down from like 20 live viewers per stream to like 14. And it, it hurts. Like I, I often, I stand here and I'm just delivering gold, just, just pure gold. And sometimes there's just a flood of viewers to check out my stream. Maybe I've got this sexy title that, that compels viewers. And then I stand here, I pour my heart out, all right? And then I watch the viewer count drop from 25 to 20 to 15 to 10. I think I was like 90 minutes into last night's show and I was down to like five live viewers. It's like the normal live streamer, the longer he streams, the more viewers he gets. I'm the very opposite. The longer I stream, the fewer viewers I get. They just keep dropping off. Maybe it's because they're so old. Maybe they're, they're like dropping dead. Sad. I mean, you may see trees of green, skies of blue, and think, what a beautiful world. But I'm more spiritual than you are. I see dead people. I see civil war. I see crematoria going up in Beverly Hills. I see another Holodomor in Century City. I asked Luke to set up an interview with the singer of Air Supply. But he's, that guy's got a lot of uh, tats. Yeah, I even said no when the professor and the landlord and just a whole bunch of rando blokes wanted to blow me. Right? Like, free rent meant nothing to me, a man of my high moral character. The cola cola plants were all killed and drained of liquids in front of a rabbi, Luke. Apertures are for photography. Yeah, so I dated a woman after she left the industry, uh, Haley Rivers. And what, what ultimately drove her from the industry is that she went for a photography shoot and she, she was posing naked in, in a very vulnerable position. You'll be absolutely shocked when you find out what happened. You won't believe what happened next. The photographer, he dropped his trousers. He inserted himself inside of her uh, without a condom pumped her a few times, and ejaculated inside of her. Like, that's no way to treat a lady, right? She went along for, for a classy photography suit, and that's the kind of treatment she gets. That's why the pornography industry has consistently lost its best and brightest because of this kind of Me Too abusive, you know, white male objective uh, objectification uh, of women. It's got to be stopped. Yeah. Bro, I haven't been kicked out of 109 apertures. You're getting the spiritual lesson of what I'm trying to impart to you totally wrong. I have refused 109 apertures. Like, people used to mock me. Like, I'd be there on the red carpet of some pornography movie premiere, like, conducting interviews with porn starlets, and these various porn starlets would come up and hit on me and, like, invite me over to their pool and, you know, have a, have a party with them, and I would just ignore them because I just kept my focus on my work. Like, I could have sold out, but I believe in things. I stand for things. It was a lot of responsibility. For years, I was the moral leader in the pornography industry, and I could have taken advantage of that status, right? But did I, did I sell out? Did I, did I dissipate my essence all over the San Fernando Valley? I said no. Like, I'm, I'm a serious journalist, guys. Luke, hit that last note of chance. I love that song. 
chances. But the chances are all gone. Oh, my God, that makes me think of that. This sweet, beautiful, lovely girl that uh, I went to Sierra Community College with. Just a lovely blonde girl. Just wholesome, beautiful. I assume she was a virgin. And I once, uh, before political science class, I once uh, snuck up behind her and, and I surprised her. And when I, when she turned around, she had tears in her eyes, right? That's, that's how painful. And that's how vulnerable she was willing to be with me. She was willing to, to cry and show me her tears. And she wanted me to go to UC Davis and study economics with her. But no, I wanted to go to Southern California because I heard the girls were really slutty. But the chances are all gone. I could have been with a nice girl. I could have had a normal life. Like we could have grown together. I could have been with a strong, independent woman who wouldn't be afraid to call me on my nonsense, who wouldn't you know, put up with my BS, someone who would have been my equal, someone who would have challenged me, and we would have grown together. Right? We could have been like 30 years into our marriage by now. We'd, we'd have four kids and two grandkids by now. But no, I wanted to go to UCLA because I thought the women were slutty there. And I could have gone to UC Davis, got a very respectable degree in economics, settled down with a very nice blonde girl. And now the chances are all gone. Man, the, the viewership just dropping like flies. A coffee enema is still a thing in LA. I haven't heard much about them. Have I been to the Channel Islands of California? Nope. Yeah, I feel like I'm all out of love. What am I without you? I know you were right believing for so long. If I launch into song, right, then I'll, I'll get copyright problems, right? If I actually hit the tune, right, then I'll get copyright issues. What did I want to do with my economics degree? I wanted to get a master's in economics and then a PhD in economics from Oxford. Luke Ford talks about what air supply means to him. <laughs> 140,000 views. Throw me down that, that link, bro. Throw me down that link. Uh, put, put another, put another uh, link on the Barbie for me, mate. Oh my God, I've got, I've got gold for you today. There's gold in them there hills. 41's played Rocky like a hurricane on the didgeridoo. So I wish I could come up with the the great, you know, one-liners that Dennis Prager does. I mean, that guy is just a machine for ideas. I mean, I wish I could do it. I, I wish I could bring it like, like he does. And he has this great line, the bigger the government, the smaller the citizen. Meaning that the more the government does for people, the more it diminishes them, the more it infantilizes them. Right, the more it limits their opportunities for growth. You know what? How, how lucrative that approach is. The bigger the government, the smaller the citizen. You know how conservatives love that. Small government conservatives just resonate with that. There are so many speaking opportunities, writing opportunities, radio opportunities, TV opportunities, status in the conservative world with with that kind of thinking. There's just a problem. It doesn't have much validity, right? The, the, the smaller the government, the bigger the citizen. Okay, we have an enormous defense budget, right? That 
that's what makes the United States so strong and, and the dollar so strong. So is having an enormous military, an enormous defense budget, do you feel like that's really diminished you? Because I don't feel like that's diminished me. If I were to go to a public toilet on Venice Beach and instead of like the really cheap toilet paper, they had some, you know, toilet paper with real thickness and even like a pleasant odor, right? That would cost more money. That would be bigger government. But I don't feel like that would diminish me if I were to wipe, you know, with, with you know, a more comfortable, a, a thicker, more fragrant and just a, a more classy toilet paper. Like if we had more police, right, that's bigger government so that the streets were safe and you could walk anywhere, anytime in Los Angeles, right? That's big government. I don't feel like I would be diminished if I didn't have to worry about crime. Let's say we had more luxurious public facilities and we had cops there to make sure they weren't ruined. Let's say that uh, we, we made sure that you could ride the subway with perfect safety. You could ride mass transit with perfect safety, right? You would have twice as many people riding public transport in LA, you'd have a lot less uh, traffic on the road, you'd have less smog, but oh, that's big government, can't have that, that diminishes the citizen. I don't know if government takes measures, spends money to reduce smog, to reduce crime, to jail people who engage in antisocial behavior, that's big government, right? I would like to double the size of our prison population. That is big government. I am all for it. I don't feel like I am diminished I don't feel like you're diminished if we have bigger government that uh, imprisons, say, twice as many people for twice as long as we currently do. If we have clean public restrooms, just imagine you could walk. Like, I want to... Here's my dream. I have a dream that one day I go for a walkabout. Just me and my... Um, not my didgeridoo, but my yo yodel whatever the thing that holds your phone. And I just walk all of Sunset Boulevard. You know, just have a nice walk about a nice, you know, six, eight, 10 hour live stream. And just imagine that I could do that from sea to shining sea, from uh, Pacific Coast uh, Palisades, you know, walk to uh, Glendale, wherever Sunset Boulevard ends. And, and just imagine that we had such big government that there were nice, clean, safe public restrooms along that route. I don't feel like I would be diminished, right, if I could safely walk Sunset Boulevard. I don't feel like I would be diminished. I don't feel like I would be smaller. I don't feel like I'd be an inferior human being if I could walk all over Los Angeles at any time and not have to worry about, you know, my bowels and, you know, finding, you know, a place to evacuate because I don't know about you, but when I start walking and talking, and, and I just get swept away with the, the power of my insights, the, the profundity of my, my vision, the, the transcendent nature of my moral perspective, right? Sometimes you need, you need just imagine I could just drop in you know, at, at a public restroom when I'm walking the entire length of Sunset Boulevard, and I could just safely leave my gimbal with my phone on it just, you know, live streaming while I just pop in to, to the public restroom and come back and it's still live streaming. No one's stolen it because we've got big government that keeps public restrooms nice and safe and clean. I don't feel like I would be diminished. All right. I, I, I think that would enhance my life. Plan ahead, dude. 
Right. So yeah, I could plan ahead and I could I could make my own arrangements with homeowners along the route, right? And I could uh, spend money and time and effort to, you know, arrange things along the route, but it would be much more convenient to have big government do that. Just imagine we could have, you know, air conditioning in public schools. We could have nice, safe, clean, elite uh, public schools all over the United States. All right, that's big government, right? I, I don't feel like uh, having air conditioning in, in public schools w diminishes people. I don't know about you, but I retain more when, when, say, the temperature in this room is, say, less than 80 degrees or less than 70 degrees, as opposed to when it's 85, 90, 100, 110 degrees, right? I like to have air conditioning when it gets hot, right? It dramatically improves the quality of my life, and I would retain more if I was a student if there was air conditioning. So for the money that we spent invading Afghanistan and Iraq, we could have nice, you know, socialized medicine where everyone could get free medicine. So imagine that we had socialized medicine instead of invading Iraq and Afghanistan, right? Would that really diminish us if you didn't have to worry about losing your job and then you'd lose your health insurance? You didn't have to worry about living on the edge of bankruptcy or entering bankruptcy or being homeless uh, because of some health emergency. So imagine we just had the same level of uh, socialized medicine as a high-functioning country like Australia. So when I go back to Australia and they have cradle-to-grave social welfare programs, when they have excellent public health, Right when they have you know an excellent uh, public education program into university, all right. I don't feel like the citizens of Australia are diminished or made smaller by having a government that is high functioning, that is on their side, that is trying to make their their life better. So yeah, it is an incredibly appealing sentiment. You know, the bigger the government, the smaller the citizen. But uh, is it really true? That's what I say to you, my friends. Is it, is it really true? I, I know it's appealing, but, but what about truth? Don't you want someone to tell you the truth? What about love? Don't you want someone to care about you? What about profundity? Where's my, where's my didgeridoo? I, I mean, I kind of understand where where Prager's coming from. You know, I've got some, I've got some sympathy. I mean, when you make love, do you look in your mirror? Mm. When do you think of, does he look like me? Do you tell lies for status, profit, national syndication? and then say that it's forever? Do you think twice or just touch and see? Oh, babe, oh yeah. I mean, when you're alone, do you let go? Are you wild and willing or is it just for show? Oh, come on. I don't want to touch you too much, baby. 
Because making love to you might drive me crazy. So now you think that small government is the way you make it. So I don't want to be there when you decide to break it. No. Government bites. Government bleeds. It's bringing me to my knees. Government lives. Government dies. It's no surprise. Government begs. Government pleads. And you think, oh, it's what I need. When I'm with you, are you somewhere else? Am I getting through? Or do you please yourself? When you wake up, will you walk out? Can't be love if you throw it about, oh babe. Ooh. I don't want to touch you too much, baby. Because big government is driving me crazy. Government bites. Government bleeds. It's bringing me to my knees. Government lives. Government dies. It's no surprise. Government begs. Government pleads, and you think, oh, it's what I need. But, but is it really? Is it really? I mean, the bigger the government, the smaller the citizen. I heard that on Dennis Prager. Okay, so what to succeed as a live streamer, you have, to, you, have to, you have to give the audience what they want. You have to, you know, balance things. Say the, say the words, all right? When she says, I love you, you say, I love you too. I love you more. So you may think, oh, national parks, local parks, you know, pleasant walkways past the ocean, clean rivers, clean air. You might think that those are good things. But government bites, bro. Government bleeds. Government brings you to your knees. The bigger the government, the smaller the citizen. The cleaner the air, the smaller the citizen. The cleaner the water, the smaller the citizen. The finer the public restroom facilities, the higher quality the toilet paper in public restrooms, the smaller the citizen. The more public restrooms available to you, the smaller the citizen. The less crime, the smaller the citizen. The more the super predators are locked up, the smaller the citizen. The more pleasant public walkways, the smaller the citizen. Right? The more national parks, the smaller the citizen. The stronger the national defense, the smaller the citizen. You want to be a big citizen? Have no have very limited national defense. Just just do GoFundMes for national defense. <laughs>
then I will show you a real national citizen. I mean, that's when men were men, right? When we didn't have government providing for the national defense, right? When we didn't have government providing roads, but yet to just, you know, cut down your own pathway through life, your own pathway through the forest, right? That's when men were men. That's what we need. Okay, welcome, caller. Blessings. Bro, bro you all right? Uh, I've been uh, I've been adjusting my uh, pharmacology. What do you think? Yeah, I think you're a little unbalanced. Oh no! Do you need, do you need someone to talk to, dude? I, I see dead people. Yeah. Do you try shrooms? <laughs> I didn't need shrooms, bro. I've been listening to Dennis Prager. We've got. Could it happen here? It is happening here, bro. We, we've got a civil war that's raging around us. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But you have to admit, uh, you know, it may not be civil war, but things do seem kind of shaky, don't they? Well, in some ways, but bro, we're just living in a liminal space, right? It's just between now and what comes next. It could be a disaster. Like tomorrow could bite. Tomorrow could bleed. Tomorrow could bring us to our knees. Or it could be the greatest thing ever. We could reduce racism, inequality. Uh, we could have, like, uh, green energy. But we can't. Because we got we to support those Ukrainians, bro. They need us. They need our help. We could have peace in our time, bro. Peace in our time. That's what I stand for. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I didn't have much to say. I was, literally, I was legitimately concerned for you. Oh, I can handle it, bro. Like other people, yeah. they can't handle this kind of, you know, caffeine and and modafinil mm. and the cranberry extract and Did you, the uh, the Canada Dry, no sugar ginger ale. Other people can't handle that kind of thing, but bro, I can listen to Def Leppard and I can handle it all. Did you have any nicotine gum today? I have Seems not like had any nicotine gum today. Would you Would you recommend? Is this, no, is this the time for I, I nicotine predict, gun? No, it's absolutely the wrong time for nicotine gun. You need you gotta go the other direction. Okay. You need a you need a dark and stormy. Bro, she is the only thing standing between us and fascism. Yeah. No, you you know what a dark and stormy is? It's no, drink. I don't. Oh. Yeah, it's a it's a rum, but it has you don't drink alcohol. It's rum and uh, ginger beer. It's it's a it's very nice. Luke Croft says that video last night got me worried, Elliot Blatt. What's he talking about? I don't know. Ask him to refresh my memory. Store me your cattle cars, bro. Store me your cattle cars. Make your choice, Western man. <laughs> no, it's not stormy. It's, it's going to be the utter... I'm really getting the urge. To, I'm really starting to consider leaving the city, Luke. Given what I've seen, it's am I being am I overreacting? Am I being yeah, dramatic? bro? You're in a liminal space. Don't don't introduce oh. people's sisters to drugs. I don't yeah. have adulterous affairs with uh, the sisters of men with extensive criminal convictions. Right? Try not to do that, mm. and and you'll be fine. I know, but there's a certain randomness to this violence. It it, it seems like. Um, 
I don't know. It's, it's genuine chaos. I don't know who could open a business. Pro, that's just Tucker Carlson providing you with hate porn. Everything's fine. Yeah. So no, no problems in Pico Robertson? Yeah, we have problems, but problems are just opportunities to grow in love. <laughs> We're in a liminal space here. We have no, we have no idea. Yeah. I mean, you got to read the New York Times. There's, there's a great article on this. This New York Times essay is called "We Don't Know What Will Happen Next." <laughs> it's That's so profound. profound. Have you ever thought oh, about man. that? I'm still quaking. I'm shaking from the profundity of that. Uh, I mean, the New York Times, it bites, it bleeds, it brings you to your knees. But the New York Times lives and it loves and it begs and it pleads. And it's what I need. Mm. So did you read your copy today? Your did I, copy? Yes, yes, yes. Of course. Um, mm. Elliot, everybody hurts. Everybody cries. But don't let yourself go. Everybody hurts sometimes. Like you missing REM? Hey, you should listen to Don't Go Back to Rockville if you're feeling nostalgic. When your day is long and the night, the night is yours alone. When you're sure you've had enough of this life, well, hang on. Don't let yourself go because everybody cries. That's true. That's true. Uh, uh, I, I'm really, I'm really... I've had a tough couple of days, Luke. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not functioning at my highest. Uh, tell me, tell me where it hurts, bro. I'm here for you. Uh, just the grind, Luke. I'm being ground down. Ground down, Luke. Every day is the same. I'm like a, I'm like a mule. I have to pull the same load through the fields. And every bro, day. Sounds like you need power. I do. I do. You I need, need a power network. to pull your load. You need an internal reorganization so that you can optimize and become more effective and efficient and more powerful so you can jump up to that tree branch and just pull yourself up, do a couple of pull-ups. I need to blow this load, Luke. I need this load out of me. I need to blow this load. You need to blow this load, bro. Yeah. Are the termites killing you, bro? Are the satanic pedophiles getting you down? No, I, I've got my optimal male Magnaforce from Alex Jones, so I'm cool. So seriously, what do you do for power? So I feel more powerful usually after I meditate, after I do pull-ups, after I get exercise, after I listen to an inspiring like 12-step talk or go on a 12-step meeting or just a favorite uh, podcast or like inspirational books uh, w or connecting with, with friends. Where do you get your power, Elliot Blatt? Uh, I, I get it by lying supine on the uh, sun tanning deck at the beach. I just absorb those beneficent solar rays. I'm a sun worshiper, Luke. Hmm. Hmm. Simple. Yeah, I, I go that, old school. Hmm. You know, I, I know just how to fake it, and I know just how to scheme, and I know just when to face the truth, and then I know just when to dream. And I know the night is fading, and I know the time's going to fly. And I'm never going to tell you everything i got to tell you, but I know i got to give it a try. I know the roads to riches, and I know the ways to fame. I know all the rules, and I know how to break them. And I always know the name of the game. But I don't know how to leave you, and I'll never let you fall. And I don't know how you do it, bro. Making love.
out of nothing at all. It's powerful, dude. It is powerful, Very powerful. isn't it? Don't you feel yeah. empowered? I mean, don't you yeah. now have the strength and the energy to get out there and make some money? I feel like Caesar, bro. Crossing the Rubicon. Hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Dubit's having a show uh, on Sunday. I'm gonna call in. We're gonna discuss our entrepreneurial activities. We're gonna have a little practical networking session. You know, people Jew to who, Jew. You know, people who Jews who need Jews are the luckiest people in the world. <laughs> That's right. <clears throat> Tribe of Abraham, man. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. We need each other, man. We we. We, we need to lift each other up. I mean, people, people can say, oh, you know, it's just too much, too much of a burden. But we've got to pack up the babies. We've got to grab the old ladies. Everyone goes because this is Brother Forty's traveling salvation show. Have you, have you kept up with Ethan Rell? No. How is Brother Ethan? <laughs> he is not doing well, dude. Oh, he is so spend- sad. Sorry. He's descending into this just gremlin state, this this sort of semi-human state. He just kind of mumbles and slurs, but the drug use seems to have just gone off the charts. I, I really don't think he's going to live long. He, you he, know, he's real. Do you know why God gave us two good hands? So that we can reach out with one hand to our brother, Ethan. When he is troubled, like just reach out one hand for him, because that's what it's there for. Like when What's Ethan that? is troubled, you got to reach out your hand, reach it out to the man up there, Ethan, because that's what he's there for. So take my hand in yours, walk with me this day. In my heart, I know I will never stray. What do we do with the other hand? Uh, we put it on our heart. Oh, okay. And we listen okay. to our heart. We got to pack okay. up the babies, grab the old ladies, and everyone goes. I'm a stickler for details, so. Well, yeah, I don't think he'd be receptive to what I have to say. Uh, but you, I mean, you ha- you appeared on the show. You know, you you've got a rapport with him. I think I think he's he needs an intervention, Luke, and you're the man to bring it. Well, it's important to start soft and slow, like a small earthquake, and then then when I let go, half the San Fernando Valley shakes. Well played, dude. Well played. Bless all us. right, man. That's all I got. That's all I got. I got to go to bed. That's all you've got? It was so much. I mean, poor, poor Elliot, he just, like, he sells himself short. Like, after those pearls of wisdom, he says, that's all I've got? I mean, yeah. he gives us so much, I guys. go out on top. I go out on top. I don't, I don't, I don't wait for the hook, you know. I go out on top. Elliot gives and gives and gives, and then he says, oh, that's all I've got. It's like he's climbed the 20,000-foot mountain. He's taken us to the highest peaks, right? He has helped us forward every valley, cross every stream. Look, to to quote Mick Jagger, I don't got that much jam. Bro. Blessings. Blessings. Love is all around us. Yeah, so... Like nice national parks, clean air, guys, clean water. Notice how it just really diminishes the citizen. Clean streets, safe streets, safe cities, safe neighborhoods, super predators locked up in prison. When I, I paint that, that picture for you, 
that you could walk anywhere, any American city, and feel safe. You could go anywhere in America and be safe, have abundant public facilities. You could go to a public restroom where they didn't use the cheap toilet paper, all right, where you had cleaner air and cleaner water. When I just think about that, I feel so diminished because big government, it, it lies, it bites, it bleeds, it screams. It'll, it'll drive you to your knees. I mean, think about this poor Scandinavians. Think about the oppressed people in Finland, Norway, Sweden. Right? Think about the Scandinavians and how diminished their life has been having cradle-to-grave welfare, abundant public facilities, uh, free health care, free public education. I mean, think about how small they are. Right? Think about how tiny they are. Think, think about all the opportunities for growth that they missed out on because they didn't get to breathe as much toxic air. They didn't get to breathe as much polluted, inhale as much polluted water. That they, you know, they could just walk anywhere they wanted and it was safe and clean. My God, th that big government there in Scandinavia just incredibly, incredibly diminished them. And because I'm more spiritual than you are, when I look at Scandinavia, I see dead people. Hey, big government, it bites, guys. It bleeds. It will drive you to your knees. I mean, you may think Fox News is fun, right? You may think, oh, 40, uh, play some Fox News. It's just so much fun. I mean, look how much fun they are. And I enjoy Fox News, right? Good times. Happy times, joyous times that we've shared together, like a bunch of patriots. But there are a lot of fun girls with incurable anal warts. Now, there are a lot of really fun, laughing, happy, loose women with sexually transmitted diseases. And so Fox effed around and got caught. And now they have to pay $787 million. I mean, just imagine you make one bad decision. And then for the rest of your life, you have incurable anal warts. I mean, do you really want to go to synagogue and be known as the guy with the incurable anal warts just because you made you know, one mistake you know, one time with a transvestite in, in Brazil and now you've got incurable anal warts, right? So yeah, Fox is fun. There are a lot of fun girls out there, but they may have incurable anal warts and Fox has got apparently incurable anal warts and they're going to try to pay 787 million dollars but the anal warts are still there right so when this is an example of the spiritual progress i'm making this is why i'm so much better than you and this is why i can see crematoria and you can't this is why i can see civil war and you can't. Yes, I broke the Sasha Gray incurable anal award story. And did I win any journalistic awards? No. Did uh, the Columbia Journalism Review like invite me in to, to lecture? W was there even an item about me in the Columbia Journalism Review? Uh, did the New York Times acknowledge what I'd done? Did uh, President Bush call me you know, one of his thousand points of light? Nothing. No. No awards, no prestige, 
no status, uh, no movie deals. I just did it because I'm a truth teller. And, and that's okay. I don't need glory. <laughs> Luke Cross says, I broke the millennial words general reward story. But you didn't do it for the glory. You did it for the truth, man. We, we believe in transcendent values of truth. So this is an example of how much more spiritual I am than you are. This is an example of how much more morally elevated I am than you are. So when I used to drive around Los Angeles, I would kind of think about different streets, different neighborhoods, and, and remember the erotic times that I had there. It's like, oh, I went for a first date here, and oh, just up this street, I did these things that are illegal in a lot of states. But I don't do that anymore because I am a spiritual giant. I see dead people. Now, when I drive around Los Angeles, I think about the amazing Torah that I learned, or I think about the mitzvahs that I did, or I think about the acts of loving kindness that I did, or the people that I 12-stepped, or the people that I 13-stepped, right? I, I now resonate. I am now vibrating on that spiritual level where I'm able to see dead people and civil wars and crematoria and Gog and Magog and demons and devils and angels, and I'm just a vessel for God, right? That's the kind of level that I'm vibrating at right now. I mean, I think you can tell how my aura has just become so much more clean. It, it, there's no longer any brown in my aura. H have you noticed the, the complete removal of the color brown from my aura? And, and that's just happened in the last month. And I'm, I'm not one to boast about that because I'm just a vessel. So Donald Trump should have put Stormy in his beauty pageants. Think about how much aggro he could have saved. Oh, and I was just remembering after the 2020 election, like J.F. Garapi, that night after night was echoing all the nonsense that Fox News was echoing about uh, who was that ridiculous Trump lawyer who was releasing the Kraken. Right? That was a, a prime focus of you know J, J.F. Garapi's show and uh, Baked Alaska, Nick Fuentes, they're all in with... You know, Ali Alexander and the other groomers, you know, stop the steal, giving people what they want. But was I standing here giving you what you want? No. I said, screw what you want. You're an inferior human being. I see dead people and you don't. So who cares what you want? I see civil wars and you don't. I see crematoria and you don't. So... Uh, one thing about the Stormy Daniels story that uh, illustrates something I often said about porn stars. So porn stars are hookers, but they are a particular type of hooker. Porn stars are hookers without shame. So most hookers would feel shame going public with their hooking. So most hookers you know, would not go public about their clients. But porn stars are hookers without shame, and so they don't have the same trepidation about naming and shaming their clients. So Stormy Daniels is a hooker without shame. So a normal hooker would not name Donald Trump, but porn stars are hookers without shame. So Aaron Sorkin, the creator of the West Wing, big uh, patronizer of hookers, and he made a movie, all right, uh, about uh, someone operating this, uh, you know, illegal poker game. All right, it's called Molly's Game 2017. So this woman operated an illegal poker tournament until she got busted. 
But you know what made her the hero of this movie? That she didn't sell out her clients. It's like, oh, wow, that's heroic. You're engaging in illegal behavior, but you're refusing to name the other people participating in your illegal behavior. So you're the hero because Aaron Sorkin has been burned by so many hookers who he patronized and promised things to, and then they felt betrayed by him and, you know, spilled the dirty on him. So I don't have a, like a big agenda, like, you know, whether the hooker should keep quiet or whether the hooker should open her mouth. You know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not here to judge the, the hookers with, with shame or the hookers without shame. I just thought it was ridiculous that Aaron Sorkin makes this 2017 movie, which is, you know, fun watch, compelling. But the whole point, the upshot of the movie, the moral message of the movie is how awesome it is when you engage in illegal behavior, but you don't turn on richer and more powerful people than yourself like Aaron Sorkin. I mean, what a sadic, what a, what a truly righteous man. I mean, what can we all learn from Stormy Daniels? Like, what can we learn? Stormy Daniels story. The long afterlife of a forgettable fling with a reality television personality. Written by Olivia Newsy for New York Magazine. Narrated by Jamie Lamchick. Please be advised, this article contains adult language, including topics that may not be suitable for children. Stormy Daniels saged the room and shuffled the oracle deck. It was the evening of April 1st, and the woman at the center of the legal drama that led to the first criminal indictment of a U.S. president had agreed to ask the guides for help to see more clearly the past, the present, and what she calls the potential or likely outcome. Daniels doesn't claim to be a fortune teller. Nobody can predict the future, she said. We all have free will. But she can, for sure, identify fortune's fool. She raised her hands and pressed the empty space between her palms. She spoke quietly. What can you tell Olivia about Donald Trump? She waited for a moment. Nothing. What the fuck, she said. That's weird. She was having trouble connecting to the realm of the spirits. She shuffled the deck again. There. Between her palms, the force field of energy swelled. She dealt the cards. As if by magic, the room shifted. My ears began to ring. Tension spread across my forehead. My eyes filled with tears. I looked across the table and met the dealer's gaze. She was crying too. The cards confirmed what she already knew. She looked down. First, she saw the past. This is the unity card, she said. It's normally a very beautiful card. It means that everything is connected. But not today. When the card landed on the table, it was upside down. Reversed, it means everything is coming apart. Next, she saw the present. This is current energy, she said. She motioned to two cards, each decorated with a cloaked figure. We have double death. She paused to explain. Death is not dead. It is the natural ending of something. Sometimes when it's right side up, it can be kind of a good thing. This, two death cards, one inverted, was not that. She read the text that accompanied the cards. Reverse meaning is, important change is being blocked or delayed, but cannot necessarily be stopped. By clinging to old habits or things that were once true, something difficult is about to be forced upon us. 
We must release these outgrown or outworn ways of thinking to move forward to the next stage. It is important to look to the future, however unknown or frightening, rather than to try to target the past. You must dig deep and stop holding on to the untruths that have been spoon-fed to you. There will be pain in this process, but hopefully a step forward into the future. She arched an eyebrow. Are you surprised? Next, she saw the future. Have you ever watched Harry Potter? She asked. This is the golden snitch. It is chaos. Fucking chaos. Energetic chaos. This is the outcome. Shit going crazy. Potential for good, but needs to be harnessed. She read again from the book. It is ungrounded energy, and it is not meant to be. Humans need to keep their feet firmly on Earth. If you encounter the RAR, breathe slowly. Center and ground yourself. Be clear about objectives before chaos ensues. This one is terrifying because of who it is. It's for Trump, but let's face it, it's kind of for everybody. His fate, she believed, would determine ours. I was bewildered by the wave of emotion that seemed to wash over both of us at once. Why did we cry? Because... Why do we cry? I mean, Stormy is trying to warn us, guys. Stormy is the only thing between us and fascism. Uh, are we are we willing to listen to Stormy's wisdom? Or are we going to deny Stormy yet again? Right? Will, will you reject Stormy? She's trying to save you. Are you going to deny Stormy yet again in your sinful unbelief? I sure hope not. Daniel says she received a call from In Touch Weekly, which was considering publishing her story. In her book, she recounts contacting a publicist named Gina Rodriguez, who said she believed the tabloid had been informed by Daniels' ex-husband, Mike Moss. Rodriguez laid out a case for cooperating. If she refused to talk, Daniels would be putting herself in a lose-lose situation. Not only would the secret be out, but it would be on her ex's terms, and likely for his financial benefit. However, if she worked with the magazine, she could exert some control, and she would get paid. She recalled Rodriguez asking her, Do you really want to hand him 15 grand? Daniels submitted to an interview and to a subsequent lie detector test, which she passed. It was around this time that Daniels says she was first threatened. In a parking lot in Las Vegas, retrieving her baby... Just imagine being a sex worker is dangerous. Like That just blows my mind. I, I never thought that someone doing what they love, you know, sex work, I, I never thought that that could possibly be dangerous or, you know, revealing uh, intimate details of, of uh, sex with, you know, a powerful figure. Who ever thought that that could come with some dangerous complications? I mean, I thought sex... Sex work was just all fun and fluff and, and love and kindness and goodness. And now, now I'm listening to this article and I'm finding out that, that sex work and you know, revealing intimate details about sex you've had with powerful, famous people, that, that it comes with some downsides. This is just totally blowing my mind. Guys, why didn't we listen to Stormy Daniels? She's the only thing standing between us and fascism daughter from her car seat on their way to a mommy and me class a man came up behind her beautiful little girl you got there he said she figured he was lost she was going to offer to help him find where he was going 
Instead, he said it'd really be a shame if something happened to her mom. He was staring at the child. For yeah, and Stormy Daniels is the first public figure who's taken some controversial actions, and there was blowback. Can you believe that? There were negative repercussions to becoming a public figure as a prostitute who had sex with a powerful man and then you try to leverage that for, for money and fame. I mean, she just wants to do work that she loves, making pornography and, and being a stripper and a, and a hooker. But now, now she finds that there's downsides to being a, a public figure. Who would have thought that if you are controversial, that if you tick off a lot of people, if you threaten powerful people, if you reveal things that most people would want to keep silent, who would have ever considered that there might possibly be, be downsides to this? This is just blowing my mind. Isn't this the first time that any public figure has received negative repercussions for things, for stories that they've put out to the, to the public, that they've sold to the public? This is amazing and so sad. I had no idea that if you, you know, engage in public controversy, that there can possibly be a downside. I just thought that everything would be sweetness and light. Get the story. Leave me. Whoa. Mr. Trump alone. She would have no choice but to oblige. I had no idea that if you hurt people, if you damage people, if you bothered people, if you, you know, threaten to derail their political campaign or any dream or project that they're on, that there, that might be blowback, that there might be some opposition. Who knew that some people would be unhappy if you, you know, tried to destroy what they're working on? I had no idea until this excellent article by Olivia Nuzzi in New York Magazine, the Stormy Daniels story, so important. So important. In touch went dark. A few months later, the story cropped up again. Someone had told a gossip blog, The Dirty, about the relationship. Daniels isn't sure who that someone was, though she has theories. The blog attributed the source to a friend. Rodriguez introduced Daniels to a lawyer, Keith Davidson, who she said could help. This is pretty shocking. Just imagine you're a sex worker, you're, you're a prostitute, you're a stripper, you're a porn star, you're a porn director, and not all of your friends turn out to be of sterling character. I mean, this just blows me away. Who would have thought that uh, being in the sex industry might uh, predispose you to dealing with an inferior quality of people? This is blowing my mind. Within a few hours, the item had been taken offline. Daniels didn't know who Davidson was, nor that his specialty was brokering sex tapes and the like. She was just grateful to avoid humiliation. She didn't know anything, right? She's just total innocent babe, right? She just loved to do work that she loved. She just loved being a prostitute and a stripper and a pornographer. And, I mean, how was she to know that this guy was brokering sex tapes she just simply wanted to get paid money for her story and just <laughs> this is just so sad and she's the only thing standing between us and fascism she didn't want the world especially not her then husband glendon crane to know about what had happened in tahoe or in the months that followed uh, who, who who could imagine 
that when you're a professional sex worker that uh, maybe the the husbands that you pick I think she's on husband number four by now but uh, apparently being a professional sex worker is not really great for lasting long-term healthy relationships it's not really a really solid foundation for marriage I mean this blows me away I thought that active prostitutes and active porn stars and strippers I would I would think they'd just make the best most stable families and that only the best the creme de la creme the elite the finest the people of sterling moral character would would marry them and now it sounds like you're just dealing with a bunch of dysfunctional antisocial creeps and weirdos when you're a sex worker blows my mind guys and for a little while longer at least it seemed no one would i let it go she said content to let donald trump recede into the past the past caught up with her again in 2016 the closer trump got to the white house the more daniels feared for her life going public she came to believe would protect her and her family just imagine that there's a downside to being a sex worker. I mean, this just blows away. Just imagine that there's a downside to revealing intimate moments that normal human beings, you know, would keep quiet. Just imagine there's a downside when you escape from normal moral boundaries. I can't believe that there's a downside when you consistently engage in, you know, antisocial behavior. I can't believe there's a downside when you choose to live and to work on the dark side and that this comes with negative repercussions. I, I, I can't believe that being a, a hooker without shame might, might come with a downside and might you know, predispose you to some dangers. Who knew that sex work could predispose a woman to some unsavory characters? Blows my mind. At least if something tragic happened, a single car crash, an overdose, a gas leak explosion, there would be a record of her accusations. There would be cause for suspicions. Without that, it would be much easier for a woman perceived as a potential optics problem for a potential president to just up and disappear. Daniels made plans to tell her story on Good Morning America. She was on set directing a film when Rodriguez called to say she had to see her and it was urgent. When she arrived... She was just directing a film, a nice, wholesome, suck and puck film. You know, just a nice, hardcore pornography film. Like, just the most innocent activity. Like, she's just doing what she loves. Bloody hell. And, and then everything starts falling apart for no reason. Right? There's nothing that she did wrong. This, this kills me. Come on. ...accompanied by Davidson, Daniels was offered paperwork. The Trump campaign was prepared to pay her $130,000 to remain silent. The world has interpreted the fact of the so-called hush money agreement through Trump's perspective. He was the one with something obvious to lose. He was the one on his way to the presidency, already hobbled by then by the Access Hollywood tape and a rolling series of allegations of sexual harassment and assault. But the deal was not just financially advantageous for Daniels. It was exactly what she had always wanted. To protect herself, protect her daughter, and shield her husband, who struggled with his mental health, from the truth. I felt like this was a win, 
she would later write. I got to stay in my home with my daughter and do the work that I love. I won't be defined by dumb... She just wanted to stay home, be with her daughter, do the work that she loved, and and she just wanted you know some help for her husband, husband number three, husband number four, and his mental health problems. I mean, she tried to warn us, guys. And right now, she is the only thing that is protecting our republic from a fascist takeover. Are we listening? Are we listening to the, the message the Stormy Daniels has for us? I sure hope so. This is breaking my hey, heart. Hey, 40 here. So I've interviewed thousands of people in my life. And one thing I noticed is that everybody hurts. Like everybody is sensitive to slights. Everybody feels pain when that which they love and value is diminished. So if you love your kids, you're dramatically increasing your vulnerability in life because if, if a girl breaks up with your son, right, you feel bad. If your daughter gets fired, you feel bad. If your kid struggles in a class or is bullied, you feel bad. If your kid falls down and bloodies his knee, you know, normally you feel bad. Now, my dad somehow, he didn't feel bad if I fall down and bloody my knee. He'd like yank me up by the arm and announce to everybody around me, he's fine, he's fine. But that's because my father yeah, loved things more than his kids, such as his public standing and his reputation. And so it was important to him that we didn't show pain and that we were resilient and that we were masters over our feelings. But if you love the Dallas Cowboys, you're going to feel pain when the Cowboys lose. Like if you love your car, you're going to feel bad. You're going to feel pain when it gets scratched. Like if you love your garden right, and it gets damaged by a storm, you're going to feel bad. Like everybody hurts. Everybody cries sometimes. So when I think about my dad, who'd always proclaim and, and uh, people around him, his supporters would back him up. It's, uh, you know, all criticism would just flow off him like water off a duck's back. Or you hear Dennis Prager and, and Julie Hartman, his YouTube co-host, talking about, oh, you know, criticism doesn't bother Dennis. I don't know what it bothers me, says Dennis. It does. Like, you can viscerally see it bothering him when he's getting more of it, depending on who it's from. If it's from uh, people within the Jewish community, of course, that hurts more than people in an outgroup. I remember when a variety of uh, conservative rabbis signed a letter condemning Dennis Prager for his stand against same-sex marriage and, I think, calling him homophobic. And, like, that really hurt Dennis. Uh, you could see, like, the pain when he came to shul that, that, that Sabbath. He was rocked. And guess what? Dennis's best friends, like, they felt the pain, and they were indignant on his behalf, and they were outraged. So we all have things that we invest in outside of ourselves. And when those things, you know, they become part of our hero system, normally that's part of our community. So if you're part of the Armenian community and the Armenian community, you know, suffers a loss, you hurt. If you're an Orthodox Jew and you think, you know, Orthodox Jews are the greatest and you see you know, a bunch of Orthodox Jews convicted for some white-collar crime or there's some legal setbacks against Orthodox Jews, say, in Israel, or there's some change in the economy and some segment of Orthodox Jewry is really struggling, like, you feel pain if there's... Yeah, everybody hurts. Everybody cries. All right, uh, Art Bell comments. We hope for some singing here. We've got a title of a video matching an REM song. I, I missed this. Uh, Breitbart website had early on one ex-government official claiming that the young kid who leaked hundreds of pages of military intelligence needed someone much more senior than him to get access. Thus, this whole thing was a government operation, maybe to pass a draconian proposed bill to tame the Internet. Maybe the kid's IT position would allow him access to all that info. Zero Hedge reports that 1.25 million Americans have top secret access. Crowd Source Truth has some ancient intelligence workers who say impossible for a young guy to get this info. And Art Bell says in the Jerusalem Post, God forbid, Israeli father daughter arrested for trying to pimp out Ukrainian women. 
The arrest was the culmination of a four-month investigation by Israeli police regarding Israelis bringing Ukrainian women to Israel to exploit them and to make them work as prostitutes. So I remember I visited the Mount of Olives and uh, Gethsemane when I was in Israel in 2000, and I, I wanted to see the, the grave, some of the graves there, and this very nice uh, Arab man offered to you know, show me various graves for a generous tip, and then he even promised to take me to a brothel where there were some inexpensive but beautiful Ukrainian women. And I declined. I have never, never you know, paid money for the, the services of a prostitute. A put down of like traditional Orthodox practices or ways of organizing community, the Orthodox way of life, the divine nature of the origins of uh, the Torah and the whole Orthodox Jewish tradition, like any put downs, any criticisms, any cuts or slides to that, you feel pain. If you're a Vedinkum Christian, you believe that Jesus Christ is the only path to salvation, any claim to the contrary, that's going to cause you viscerally pain. Wow, isn't this beautiful? We've got, we've got these, you know, flowers, spring has sprung, bro. And, and these flowers are just descending upon me. So th this is just pure delusion, right? That you can love and be invested in things and have a hero system and then not hurt. So California, if, if you get most of your sense of community from being a Californian, right? If uh, much of California falls off the map because of an earthquake or is damaged by floods or fires or droughts or the economy in California turns down or it develops in you know, a very nasty budget deficit, right? You're going to feel pain. If you believe that marriage is a heterosexual institution and you have to encounter same-sex marriage, whether it's on the news or in person, you're going to feel pain. If you believe that the United States military should be a heterosexual institution, you're going to feel pain at the inclusion of LGBTQ. Right? If uh, you believe that God's greatest revelation to humanity is the Seventh-day Adventist Church or the, you know, the, the truth as articulated to the Prophet Muhammad or the Mormon Church, like any detriments, any put-downs, any suffering by these entities in which you invest yourself, you're going to feel pain. If you love your motorbike, your motorbike gets dented or it stops working as well as you'd like, you're going to feel pain. Like if you love a tree. Right. Everybody hurts. Everybody cries. Right, so people think, oh, you know, criticism doesn't bother me. It's just like uh, water off a, a duck's back. It's a lie, right? When, when my viewers go from 20 to 15, it hurts. It's like little pinpricks as my viewership drops. I mean, the day is long when you're a live streamer. You think, oh, the night, it's mine alone, just... It's just me and my audience here, right? Or what could what could possibly go wrong? Well, sometimes you have enough, but you got to hang on, guys. Don't let yourself go. Why? Because everybody cries. Everybody hurts sometimes, right? When things don't go your way, right? Criticism hurts. We're all vulnerable. Sometimes everything is wrong. Now it's time to sing along. Sometime everything is wrong. Now it's time to sing along. When your day is night alone, hold on, hold on. If you feel like letting go, hold on. If you think you've had too much of this life, well, hang on, because everybody hurts. Take comfort in your friends, your family, your community, your intellectual pursuits. 
of this life. Well, hang on. Because everybody hurts. Everybody cries. Bye-bye. <laughs>